NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at Savewithconrad.com. Give the ultimate gift to the wrestling fan in your life this holiday season you've asked for it and i can't believe this is real but now you can give the gift of ad-free shows head over to adfreegift.com now to purchase an ad-free show subscription for a friend or loved one simply click on gift a subscription up at the top and choose a plan plug in their email address and just like that your gift is on its way to their inbox in my opinion you simply will not find a better value in wrestling this holiday season early ad-free access to all seven of my podcasts plus video starting at just $9 a month. We've also got tons of exclusive bonus content on top of it for just 29 bucks. So what are you waiting for? Get over with that special someone in your life by giving the gift of ad-free shows. Visit adfreegift.com right now to get started. That's adfreegift.com. Your one-stop shop for the wrestling fan in your life this holiday season is adfreegift.com. 2022 is upon us, and Conrad Thompson's team is hitting the road Royal Rumble weekend. Join us at the historic South Broadway Athletic Club in St. Louis Saturday, January 29th for our first ever Hall of Fame Super Show. As my world's Jeff Jarrett and 83 Weeks' Eric Bischoff bring you stories you won't hear anywhere else. Tickets for the Hall of Fame Super Show start at $39.99, and if you really want to get granular, you can purchase a VIP pass for an exclusive meet and greet, merch, and much more. For full event information, head over to ericandjefflive.com or jeffandericlive.com. Get even more from the hottest new podcast going, My World, with Jeff Jarrett over at adfreeshows.com. Let me get granular here for a minute, folks. Not only can you get the entire My World episode library with zero ads, new episodes come your way each week early, ad-free, and on video starting at just 9 bucks a month. We've also got tons of exclusive My World bonus content waiting for you, plus unique interactive experiences with your old pal, Double J. You get to jump on and ask Jeff questions, and if you joined us in Chicago this year for Top Guy Weekend, you got to hang out the entire weekend. Just recently, we sat down with Robbie the Highlander to clear the air on what really happened that night at the TNA taping in Orlando. We also had Jeff join fellow WWE Hall of Famer and ad-free partner Eric Bischoff to watch Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson's very first match and even talked with Tony Falk about breaking into the wrestling business. And how about this? There's only one place to get all this exclusive content and experiences, and that's by strutting over to adfreeshows.com right now where you get my world and all of my podcasts early and ad free on video for as low as $9 a month. That's just 30 cents an episode, 100% the best value in all of wrestling. Strut on over to adfreeshows.com right now to sign up. Flat nut. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to my world. And of course we couldn't do it without the hall of famer himself, double J Jeff Jarrett, Jeff, how are you, man? Oh, double S silly shenanigans. How are you doing? My friend looking forward to it. We're hitting our groove 2022 off and running, man. There's a lot going on in our world. Isn't there? God, it's hard to keep up with sometimes, but it's easy to keep up with the major news. And I guess congrats are in order. 
Uh, some friends of ours are now in the wrestling business. Uh, our friends across the pond over at progress wrestling are now under new ownership. Tell us what you know here, Jeff. No, I just look, I've worked with Lee, um, came, went out to his, uh, he's a director of Tranmere Rovers, uh, which is a, that crawl that side of the pond, they call it a football. We know it as soccer. Uh, but, uh, they've got Paul Benson who used to work and we're going to get into, uh, Paul Benson and, and the discussion as a part of this episode. Uh, but yeah, they've got a new staff, uh, uh, a, a, a new buddy of mine, uh, Martin best. I like to refer to him now we're on bestie. Uh, we're, we're, we're nicknamed, uh, callers. He calls me double J. I call him bestie. But anyway, progress, new ownership. Uh, they are on, um, you know, they are under that, uh, WWE umbrella, like ICW and WXW, uh, out of Germany. So, but no, I, I'm excited for them. Um, they've got a lot of cool things coming up on the horizon. So tell you that, that and shoo fight, pick a fight. That campaign Conrad is, uh, man, last week, it got a lot of buzz. I got more calls on that in a real inquisitive way. Hey, Jeff, what's going on? You've worked with him for years. What is this? And I said, Hey man. It is a uh, fight that the little engine that could has grown and grown and grown. And they're part of the Triller family. And, you know, uh, so some folks don't even know that internationally they do AEW. Uh, they, they do, I mean, just, they, they did the Jake Paul events uh, internationally. They've got a lot of stuff, not just here in the U S but internationally. And in weeks and months to come, uh, as we discuss it on the show, well, we will have our pick a fight, which is basically, um, we're, we're going to say, Hey, watch this, this weekend, check out all of our social media links, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can click on there, start creating your own fight books, which is like frequent flyer points to build up. And you can watch some events eventually free of charge. Um, it's really cool. So, uh, I'm excited about the fight relationship cap city baseball. The schedule is out now, Conrad. So we're going to get you up there for Maybe not first pitch. Maybe not for opening night. We'll 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 bring you in the heavy hitter. We'll let it get real hot in Springfield. But no. Uh, anyway, Cap City Baseball is is up and running uh, for those um, that are dialed into that fight. Congrats to the progress, folks. And what else we got going on? Other than a, a, a fascinating topic today. Well, before we get to today's topic, I want to mention you teased it last week, and I think uh, Effie posted his response over on social. I guess you're going to have some words, uh, this weekend on fight at the GCW event. Uh, I, I think we're finally going to hear from you about as a friend of mine, not a friend of yours would say what's cause in all this. Hashtag pick a fight. Tune in this weekend. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, when I'm sitting show. here really trying to gather my thoughts that, um, Let's move on. And uh, Saturday night in Chicago, um, I'll just say Effie is a uh, is a unique character. Uh, there's a lot of unique characters in Game Changer, uh, including um, Cardona, who's whether he's in or out or quit or whatever it may be, and a couple other folks. And Moxley's their champion, so a lot of buzz, Conrad. I'll just say that fascinating. Uh, a buzz, um, about my stroll on the boardwalk in Atlantic city. Let's just leave it there. A lot of buzz about St. Louis too. At the end of the month, of course, it's going to be Royal rumble time. You myself and Eric Bischoff are all going to be there. You get to ask any question you want to these guys. We are not recording this. 
Uh, it will not air anywhere. So let's let it rip tater chip. You want to know what they thought of working with Dixie? You want to know what they thought really the last time they worked for WWE most recently, maybe you want to go ahead and find out what really happened behind the scenes in WCW in the late nineties or even what's to come when these guys start their own promotion doors for (laughs) VIP open at 2 PM. Uh, general admission gets in at 245. The show will start at three. We'll be done by five. I keep mentioning when we're done because I want to make sure you understand that the pre-show for the rumble starts at 6:30, and it's only 2.4 miles away. So we're in their neck of the woods for the Royal rumble. You got time to do both. So if you're in town for the rumble, why not come see a couple of hall of famers when you get VIP, not only do you get to claim the best seats in the house, you get a very special piece of swag. You can't buy anywhere else. Plus you get pictures with both guys and autograph date by 10 and both of the guys will sign any item of your choosing. Now that happens at two o'clock. You want to pick up the VIP tickets over at Eric and Jeff live.com. I'm sorry, Jeff and Eric live.com. That's Jeff and Eric live.com. Uh, two hall of hall of famers for the price of one plus stories. You can't hear anywhere else. I'm really pumped about this, by the way, they will have concessions, including alcohol. So let's have a good time. It's uh, Jeff and Eric live.com. But today we're talking about one of my favorite topics ever. The MMA enthusiast, Jeff Jarrett, and we're broadcasting today from the blue chew studios, try blue chew for free. When you use promo code, my world at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. Of course, the story of your MMA enthusiast, um, I don't know, dalliance has to be addressed with Genesis 2011. Let's get right into it. We're, we're fresh off a final resolution in December. There was a lot of talk about Jeff Hardy's condition coming out of that show. Dave Meltzer would write. There was a lot of concern when Jeff Hardy arrived from people worried about his condition. At one point it was talked about pulling him from the show, announcing that he was injured and putting the title up in a three-way with Morgan versus Anderson versus Jarrett. Anderson was actually cleared to wrestle and had his first match back the night before on an indie show in Wisconsin facing Matt Hardy. Joe would have been pulled as most likely Jarrett would have gotten the title. Hardy then said he wasn't loaded, but was suffering from exhaustion from the trip to Abu Dhabi, which included a 20 hour flight back management accepted that story. Given that the other wrestlers on the tour were all exhausted, although none were in any danger of being pulled from the show. Hardy also did a personal appearance in Detroit the night before one person actually said that Hardy was in better shape now than when his baby was born, whatever that means. (laughs) So chat me up here. What do you remember about Jeff and was he, or wasn't he, or or is this just the throes of addiction? Is this, you know, those dreaded wrestling demons rearing their ugly head or is it real? It's just a long trip. And my man was just tired. You know, Conrad, going through the notes and me sort of jarring my memory, I think, um, for for me, the context, as our friend says, uh, I can't wait to get to St. Louis. It's going to be, going to be a lot of mudslinging, if you will. It'll be fun. But uh, no, context is king. Um, In in 2010, when uh, we'll just say the, and this leads into the story as well, but when um, I was removed from uh executive producer and head of creative and came back um my role within the company radically changed and so you know being whether it was head of creative and and which obviously goes into talent relations and of talent executive producer you have to have your you know you have to have your 
your your your thumb on on the pulse of, of all this, especially what you're referring to right now. Uh, I when I returned, I went into me and Bob Carter sat down and and uh, other folks at Panda. And all right, Jeff, you know, where is your skill set going to be best? And we collaborated uh, on on a couple of different things, but we landed on uh, basically running live events. And I say not running and not all booking the buildings, but I was sort of the um, I touched everybody from booking the buildings to the merch, Don West and all that. But so live events and international were my two uh, buckets that I was, you know, I got up and left Hendersonville and drove into downtown Nashville office. That's what I walked in and did every day there with Andy Barton and the team. So with that being said, me being on the pulse of whether Jeff was exhausted or tired or the demons or, or, or any of that, I was a quote unquote, another talent, uh, during this time. And so, uh, I was in Abu Dhabi and a little footnote, uh, about that, um, that ring was an old boxing ring and it was, it was like a brick. I mean, it was as hard as possible to be. I'm not saying that adds or, or that that is a part of the story, but I do remember the Abu Dhabi shows, beautiful hotel, beautiful scenario treated royally. Uh, it was, it was an awesome, awesome trip, but uh, that ring was really hard. Now was Jeff have his bell rung from that? I, I don't know. I don't even think so, but, um, I'm not aware of, uh, of either, either, or, um, and when I read these notes about, he was even in question, I don't really specifically recall that not saying that it didn't happen. I just don't recall it. We're smack dab in the middle of the Hogan Bischoff era of TNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to mention you defeated uh, Samoa Joe at final resolution. And in the observer, it's noted that Joe's contract had expired, but there was an extension signed to get through the pay-per-view and there's other talent leaving the company too. Hamada, who was one half of the knockouts tag team champions. She leaves the company without even losing the titles, her tag team partner, Taylor wild. She has her contract expire as well. This is a major shift. Uh, as far as the talent is concerned, is this all just the new era, the new regime, or was it business as usual for these sort of contract situations to happen? Because TNA at the time is still a relatively small business. Well, and when you look at it through the lens of hindsight, it's very crystal clear, but I remember the Joe situation and man, you talk about being put in some unique spots, the guys that would come to me that I'm the one who signed them to their deal, whether it was a year before or two years or three years before, and now they're up and I don't have anything to do with renewals, raises, bumps in pay dates. None of that. The Joe thing was, was a hot button, but there was a massive transition and depending upon who you spoke with, Dean Broadhead, CFO, he, you know, our expenses were already comp- in 2010, they just got completely out of hand. So, you know, you, you can't bring in 10 guys on a small business and not let 10 go. And so therein lies the problem, you know, Eric and Jason had a vote, Hulk had a vote. Obviously Dixie had the ultimate vote. Uh, Russo writing, you know, one of this talent or that talent, but you know, you can just see what you just said. Hamada left without even dropping the titles, Taylor Wilde, Samoa Joe. I think there's a rhino situation. There's so many, much turnover going on here. Uh, and then all that, like I said, all that other new talent and, you know, gosh, Matt Hardy and flair. And I mean, here we go. It is a definite 
transitional period from a contractual uh, stage with a lot of talent. I'm not saying just in this month, but o- over this 6, 12, 18 month era. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. The hits keep on coming. It's also in the observer that Rhino's in the same sort of spot. His deal came up and the sides couldn't agree to terms as he was looking for a level of guaranteed money. Uh, Rhino was one of the guys who was a big signing for you back in 05. And here we are six years later, unable to sign a deal. Meltzer also had this to say Hernandez's contract rolled over. They want him back after spending so much time in Mexico. The idea was for him to learn Spanish by living there and then come back and be pushed as a Latin superstar. But he's got the same issue with Kane Velasquez in the sense his Spanish isn't that good. So the Mexicans won't see him as Mexican. We're told that while he understands Spanish now, his Spanish was never good enough to where AAA allowed him to do any interviews in Spanish. And that was the deal was to come back and do Spanish interviews that would get over. Do you remember being disappointed that Hernandez, you know, didn't do better with this opportunity? I mean, I love Sean and, you know, he was there in the asylum days, but I can remember having conversations with, with folks and with all due respect, English is Sean's first language and he would not consider himself. And I certainly don't others consider, you know, others, he, he's not a promo guy, right? So who in their right mind would actually believe, well, other than Dixie, that he can go to Mexico learn a second language and on top of that get a skill set to cut promos that that whole situation uh, okay so time out but i don't mean to cut you off but you said who else i mean besides dixie so Meltzer has this right but you're saying it's not that Meltzer got it wrong it's that dixie had a bad idea it it, it, it it's 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 not either delusional and look i've raised my hand i'm the delusional optimist it, it it's just it's hard to imagine that someone could think that a, a non-promo talent can go learn a second language and come back and cut a promo in that skill, in, in that language. It, it, it's just, but yes, that that was the mindset. And look, um, that that was when AAA and CMLL and and who are we going to work with, which I had nothing to do with. You know, I got marching orders at one time. Go create a a, a relationship with CNM, CMLL and Paco. Okay, I went and did that. Well, they didn't like that. Okay, now we're going to go back working with AAA. It was just, Conrad, probably a couple of times today because we're going to get into talking about my undefeated MMA career and a couple other things, but there's a couple of frustration points during this time that I just, it's a, now here we are 10 years later, plus 10 years, it's still a head scratcher. Like, really? They, this really went down? Uh, it's frustrating. Well, this really went down. They fired Rhino on TV. Rhino's going to come out and demanding a contract for turning on EV2. Bischoff, who's a heel character, yells back, pulls out a piece of paper and writes down NO exclamation point on it. So he says Rhino lost to Rob Van Dam and he doesn't have time for losers. So Rhino says, What about my ability to feed my family? And Bischoff says, I don't care. 
So Rhino <laughs> jumps over the table, all the heels stomp him, start beating on him and throw him out. And he's written off TV that way. Nobody can ever look back and say, Rhino didn't take care of business. This is not the best creative, but Hey, he did it. And you know, I did recall this. You have to admit Conrad, let me throw it back in. you. You know, Vince McMahon, I think is a God, he's such an unbelievable heel when he turns it up. I think Eric Bischoff is too. When Eric wants to be just a arrogant, condescending SOB, his character on TV is fantastic. And I don't know the ins and the outs of this angle and like the, 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 the story behind the story. Uh, but man, uh, Eric in this role, um, he chopped old Rhino's legs and Hey, but yeah. And Rhino obviously went along with it, but yeah, good stuff. Let's also mention that, um, Bubba's going to pretty put a, put a pin in it. If you will, he cuts a promo where he's saying anyone could have been Devon because I was the star of the team. And, uh, <laughs> Oh man, this is kind of fun. He even pretends to be Devon or he has a, another African-American fellow who's from his wrestling academy, come out and pretend to be Devon saying, oh, my brother testify, which is kind of fun. You know, if you're going to break up a tag team saying, Hey, I was the star. Anybody could have did your part. And then you have a guy come out and do his part. That's pretty fun stuff. That's old school wrestling right there. Is it not simplistic? That's something that I always from, you know, when, when, um, Dudley slash team 3d when they came on board and that they came on board early, they are and props to both of them. They both they're, they're, they're obviously a black guy and a white guy, but they have very different personalities, but to me, super compliment, they made it work. And then some, and, um, I love, and I, I love the direction they took this. And then, you know, bully Ray is the single and, We'll get into aces and eights on a whole nother conversation. I think it went too long, but I think bully bully, uh, th this was a, a, a good, uh, a good launching pad for bully Ray. So he bully Ray and the fake Devon lose to Shannon Moore and Jesse Neal. And then of course, Bubba doesn't like that at all. So he beats up the fake Devon until the real Devon comes out to make the save. Uh, we've also got Tara and generation me. Yes. The young bucks coming out for a concert. Tara is singing badly. The young bucks are dancing badly. And this is going to lead to a main event of Mickey James and Tara in a steel cage match. So we got women in cages and the young bucks, not wrestling, but dancing. Oh man. Um, Hey, Vince Russo. How are we doing? No. <laughs> is that, was that what this is? Well, I mean. To this day, um, this is sort of where in the, uh, in, in the office to certain individuals, it was the five headed monster, Hulk, Dixie, Russo, Eric, and Jason, who was really in control. Cause right. if you, it, it, it was a mess at times. Um, I mean, a real mess. Um, and, and so I don't know who exactly. Um, but Tara and Mickey, I mean, as we as going again, I'm sound like I'm jumping all over the place. What a load of talent that, that, uh, 2000 into 10 into 11 into 12, that TNA had, um, and, but you know, you just say Jen, me is dancing. Okay. Yeah. Right on. 
Okay. <laughs> Next yeah. up, Jeff Jarrett comes out and offers a hundred thousand dollars to any man, woman, or child who can make him tap. Jarrett compared himself to George St. Pierre and Josh Koscheck. Borash was in the ring to find a volunteer. And here was the deal to this segment. They had several indie wrestlers as plants come out. Several fans rushed the rail and tried to climb over to accept the challenge who were not plants. And here's the funny part. This is all from the observer security and pretty much everyone, including Jarrett didn't actually get the plants. They got some muscular guys as plants and then all kinds of people, including some who were muscular apparently, but not plants trying to hit the ring. So nobody in security knew who the plants were, nor did the people in the truck. The agents were told to get the muscular dudes who were local wrestlers. So it was a panic situation as some muscular guys came forward and they had a look in their eyes for that hundred grand. They thought they could whip Jarrett. The plus part is they got a lot of footage that came across as real. Bischoff loved how the segment came across and actually came out to the area where the fans were and tried to interview with fans who wanted to get at Jarrett for reaction. Apparently those fans got some good promos. Everyone was remarking about how legit the whole thing looked because of an aspect of it was this was heavily edited. So most of the crazy stuff didn't air on TV. It looked more under control, which made it less memorable than showing all the fans charging at Jarrett, trying to hop the rail, buddy. This is great stuff. You've been hated from day one. And now here's a chance to whip your ass and get a six figure payday. A lot of folks saying, sign me up. Jeff, you're muted. The show sounds better when we can hear you, bud. Oh, shut up. I was trying to put <laughs> mute on it so I could drink my coffee. Folks, let you in a little inside baseball. We are recording this much later in the day than we usually do. That's and, true. Uh, from about 5 a.m. to about 11 a.m., I'm, I'm really dialed in, a couple of cups of coffee in. We're much later in the evening, so if I'm dragging a little bit, apologies. But anyway, Conrad, so I remember this vividly, and and I'm just going to say this with all diplomacy possible. Old Dave, in that paragraph you just recited, is a perfect example of the professional wrestling industry. I'm going to take a foundation of facts, but then I'm going to sprinkle in there some fiction and, and, Oh, what happens if this, and I'm going to dress it up and all this. And by the end of it, hell, it's a damn entertaining paragraph you just read. But the fact of the matter is Dave's way off, but it made for good reading. Oh, so what really <laughs> I, happened? No, I mean, we knew exactly the truck knew what was going on. We knew the plants, me and Borash had gone through this. There were some folks from Bubba school, old Dexter Loomis, um, and that whole crew, which we're going to get into this and the double J MMA, Sam Shaw, he was called in TNA, but all, all of this was completely organized. And we had more plants out there knowing that if we create a, a sense of urgency, some of those park guests and local fans, they're going to like, wait a minute, that, you know, maybe there's two plants, which would be kind of a, a simple TV deal. But if we have seven or eight and they're all over the arena, we're going to create this aura or sense of, oh my God, we're going to go kick Jeff's ass. And it worked, Conrad. It worked so well that me and JB, like we have often done in the past, we just chuckled and we're like, did you see the people? 
like, let's dial it back and think about this logically. Okay, we're going to come in Universal Studios. We're going to watch TNA Entertainment Wrestling. And we're going to sign a piece of paper. Oh, and if we beat Jeff up, we're going to get paid a hundred grand. I mean, just the, the simple logic of that doesn't really add up, but man, Conrad back on tape. This is, I mean, it was good. And we were doing reaction and I don't want to get too far down the story, but that show, it was just, it was fun. It was energetic. Um, when the whole storyline and, and maybe if you want to set the table, Conrad, you, you, you may want to, what is double J MMA, MMA enthusiast. I, I didn't come out in boots and tights. I came out in MMA trunks and I, you know, had, had my, my gloves, my padded gloves on and I would get my ankles taped up. And I watched a, a couple of uh, my buddy Titor. I, I watched sort of Tito Ortiz entrances. I watched some different, so I tried to have the mannerisms and all that and it clicked and the people it got heat. I guess that's the most simple thing. Oh, dude, like- it was so heat. And I want to play the complete Jeff Jarrett dojo video, but before I do, did you just call our man Titor? Yeah, that was a fumble. I told you it's late in the day. I'm going to put Buddy, myself on mute and get me some coffee. I love it. Cause last week people had a blast with you saying Colorado. And if you're hitting us with teeter too, <laughs> is it Colorado or Colorado? Is it, Col- I, what did I, did Colorado, I Colorado? You said Rada and it got over big on. No, I did. People loved it, but I love Teeter Ortiz. Like that's my new deal. I mean, either way, listen, we're having a lot of fun. Real quick. Before we get into this, did you, did you watch the GCW event uh, 10 days ago? Hey, you ain't got my address. I don't want to hear that. No, no, no. Here's the deal. I I, I was on, uh, middle of the card. Like always. Oh, another softball. I'm just trying to have a little fun, pal. Go ahead. I'm, I'm double J double MMA today. And I re- did you know, I retired undefeated. I don't I've have never, any doubt. I don't have I've any never doubt. been beaten in MMA, uh, uh, fight ever. And that includes an Olympic gold medalist as one of my opponents. You know, for years, people would joke with me, Conrad, how do you have time to do all these podcasts and do mortgages? When do you have time to sleep? Well, the reality was I wasn't sleeping very well at all. Now I thought I had a life hack, right? I was cranking down the AC before I went to bed. And it turns out I was onto something. You see, science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering our core body temperature. Temperature controlled sleep restores your testosterone levels. It repairs your muscles after a hard day work and it improves your cognitive function. So you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Let's see guys cranking down the AC boy. That was just fool's gold. I didn't need my kitchen to be cool. I didn't need my dining room to be cool. I needed my bed to be cool. Well, Chili Sleep makes customizable climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. It's a little weird to say, but I'm 40 years old and I'm feeling better than ever, and I give all the credit to Chili Sleep. Seriously, Chili Sleep makes the Uller, which is what I have, and the Cube Sleep System. These are hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. The sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Seriously, imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chili sleep can make that happen. This has been a game changer in my household. I've got one for the wife and I. She likes to get into a warm bed. I like to get into a cold bed. How does that work? Chili sleep takes care of it. Seriously. She's got a unit on her side. I've got one on my side. So what she likes to do is climb in warm, but then go ahead and cool her off through the night. 
So at like 10 o'clock, it's automatically making her side warm and my side cool. By midnight, we're both cool because she changes hers. Now, she doesn't wake up and change it. It's automatic. But here's the really fun thing. It warms up to wake us up. Buddy, this is a home run for me. Prior to Chili Sleep, I was flipping. I was tossing. I was fighting with the covers. I was trying to find the cool spot. I would try to keep a foot out from underneath the blanket to regulate my temperature. I would be constantly flipping my pillow looking for the cool side. Buddy, I'm cool all night long. I'm sleeping better than ever. I've got vivid dreams. That tells me I'm getting that REM sleep. Oh, and the wife, she wears one of those bracelets that monitors everything she does health-wise. She went from like 12 disturbances a night to two. Talk about some good sleep. You got to talk about chili sleep. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash my world to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for my world with Jeff Jarrett listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com forward slash my world to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up feeling refreshed every day. That's chilisleep.com forward slash my world. I want to mention, uh, <laughs> this, this <laughs> air, uh, this aired in late November, 2010. Okay. And and so this is the buildup. Yeah. Just give them. I want to give the context. I was kind of saving it for later. Cause this is one of the funniest things I think you did in your entire career. And you had old ladies with guitars. I mean, and you hit Beetlejuice with guitars, but still there was once a little person masturbating in a trash can who a week later pulled a gun on you. And still, I think this is funnier. You want me to give the setup of this? I do. But before you do, I want to tell everybody how to find it. Go to YouTube and type in the complete Jeff Jarrett dojo video. It's on impact wrestling's channel. And uh, we might actually tweet out uh, a link to the video from our social at my world, um, at my world pod chat me up though. What's the setup here? So this whole storyline was going to evolve and, and, and Vince and, and the creative team came to me and said, what do you think about this? And I don't think they really know, look, I'm up for anything and I'll try to take whatever creative and make it my own and make it entertaining and heat out of it and all that. I loved it from the very beginning, knowing that I was going against Kurt because, you know, when you look at Kurt, especially, you know, in that, um, during this time, you know, that 10 year run and his look to me, he had the, he had, he was obviously all the credentials, but it's like, man, I wonder what, how Kurt would do against Titor. No, I wonder how Kurt would do against fill in the blank of an MMA fighter. So the, I think the, the sports entertainment audience just had the vibe of Kurt's an MMA guy or could be an MMA guy or, or whatever it is. Cause all of his legit background. And so me with the natural rival and everything that went with it, and we'd already had our matches at bound for glory before this and, in 09 and all this. So we had already worked together, but for me to come out and launch this, it just fit and knew where we were going. But, um, we got a call and Jeremy's the one who called me and said, Hey man, we need to shoot something. Do you know anybody that like has a karate studio? And I'm going, yeah. Uh, David Deaton studios are all over Nashville. I think he has three or four been in the market forever. And, uh, my kids have taken classes off and on there as little tykes, like a, really a conditioning class. But, um, there's a, a group of us that used to go out on the lake and their kids were currently uh, students at the karate club. <laughs> and, and I said, uh, what are you thinking JB? And we just sort of collaborated. And he's like, look, you got to teach kids. It was right before Thanksgiving. I landed from Orlando 
Jeremy had taken, I believe if I remember correctly, he'd taken the morning flight. I'd taken an after ones. I literally, we went straight to the studio. We shot all of this, literally everything. And when, when two guys and you don't have lights and sound and a, a, a bunch of headache, just going there and running, gun and shoot Conrad, we shot this all in about 15 minutes, but it, it, it goes to the point is it's entertaining, but man, just don't overthink it. Just get in there. No script, no nothing. I mean, there, there was other than we need to create a package uh, and get heat with it. That was sort of me and JB's uh, direction from creative. So that's the setup. It and now awesome. here we go. Take a listen. Well, kids, thanks for inviting me here today. Uh, obviously, the word has traveled real fast of my newfound love of MMA. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys, uh, you'll never reach my level, but you're, you're starting young and, and you could aspire to come close to my level. We're not going to be doing uh, any karate today. We're going to be talking more submissions, more along the lines of, of what I've perfected, uh, what Samoa Joe Kurt Angle uh, have attempted for the entire life. Uh, to gain the knowledge that I've quite frankly mastered in a matter of uh, weeks. Uh, first things first, I need to find out where you're at, where your skill level at, how, what have you perfected, what have you not perfected. Uh, who knows the move, whether it be a rear neck or choke, uh, uh, arm bar. Yes, I know the ankle lock. Oh, little guy. So you know the ankle lock, huh? What, do you know who perfected it? Kurt Angle. No, it's not Kurt Angle. He ripped it off. Ken Shamrock made it famous, but I perfected it. Well, why don't you put it on me? Why don't you put it on me? See what you got. See what you got. Is that all you got? Is that a straight? What a wimp you are. Can you not twist any harder than that? Is that all you got? Harder. Get out of here. Let, let me show you how this is done. Come here, kid. I could break this ankle in two if I had to. Come here. Get over here. Quit moving. Can you feel it? What's happened if you can feel it? I don't think it hurts bad enough. I literally perfected this in weeks. This is an arm bar, little lady. Can you feel it? Yeah. Can you feel it? Yes. I perfected this move in two days. Tap that mat. This is a leg bar, kid. Can you feel that pain? Ow. Huh? Happy Thanksgiving, kids. You got an awful lot to work on. An awful lot to work on. Dude. <laughs> It'll never not be funny. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. Oh, I appreciate that, Captain. I didn't know you. I really did know you enjoyed it. Oh, it I, I mean, fun. Jeff Jarrett tapping out kids. Like, <laughs> and literally, the, this makes me feel old. That those kids are seniors in high school right now, and um, friends of the family, and you know, <laughs> they know me out as Dad Jeff. And now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm walking in, and <laughs> and there's ow, that hurts. Anyway, how much of the inspiration for that was? The 2006 movie, the foot fist way starring Danny McBride. Uh, if you haven't seen that, you need to go out of your way to see it. Cause I bet Borash has seen it and loved it. You know what? That's a question for JB. I'll hit him up and ask. Yeah. We need to, we need to pick his brain. I wonder if, cause he was the, uh, the shooter, the producer, the director, uh, we, we chuckled on that. <laughs> Go out of your way to see it. We'll try to throw it up on our social, but my goodness, is it great? Let's talk about, uh, uh look, I, was, I had a big match coming up. I had a big exhibition against Kurt angle. I mean, come on. Phenomenal stuff. Uh, James and Tara, the ladies cage match, they get 13 minutes and one second. Um, Meltzer says solid match. Really the only one on the show given any time. 
Uh, I recommend you go find it on the impact plus app or YouTube. Really, really good stuff. Meltzer would say James kicked her off and then climbed to the top and came off with the Thez press, which is a big deal. Uh, Meltzer would say that was a tough move because landing like that from that height has a high injury risk. Tara tried to catch her and break her fall, but James landed with her feet solid on the mat. And after the pin got up limping a Thez press off the top rope, big deal for anybody, but 11 years ago with the ladies, that's a big deal. Mickey James, uh, she showed some things that day. Did she not? And, you know, I think, you know, it's one of those things as time goes on, I am certain Mickey will get the recognition. I'm just certain of it, but when Mickey it's almost, and I don't, let me think how to say this without, she always over delivered. She came, if, if, if it's a big match or a main event or a big tag or a big single match, she always over delivered. Yeah. Always as you know, a performer. John Cena had a nickname a while back. Big match. John Mickey James was that way too. Mickey James has been criminally underrated her entire career. Yes. And timing is so, everything. And when it comes to having success in life, I got to think had Mickey James came along. I don't want to say 10 years, but a handful of years later, man, she yeah. would have been front and center for this, you know, women's revolution that we had, you know, six or seven years ago. But I think because she predated it fans and certainly management had sort of seen her in a certain box, but man, ladies like Mickey James and Gail Kim, my gosh, they'd be, they should be tearing it up right now with the Sasha's and the Charlotte's and the Becky's and all that. Right. Yeah, and even in, in in our run in TNA, when Gale and Kong, when 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 that whole thing developed, and we got that nice rating of them in the main event, first time to my knowledge that women had ever main event a a primetime cable show. You know, throw Mickey into that storyline, some shape, form, or fashion. Big. You know, we had a, a group and. Branding of, and I think that'll be an episode coming up this year. Uh, if not, maybe we can discuss it, but just the knockouts as a whole, it was the opposite, the alternative at that time to the divas, but Mickey and T- Tara, look, I, I, this is not that she's a hell of a performer too. So they tore it down. It, it's a, it's a really good. And I don't even want to say ladies cage match. It's a very good cage match. Unfortunately though, America wasn't ready for it. And this is what I was saying when I said timing's everything, this main event had people tune out in droves. It's the least watched main event on any impact show in several months. Uh, the show did a 1.1, which is 1.5 million viewers, which is way more than a lot of shows these days. So it's hard to categorize it as a failure, but I think putting it on last a ladies main event, a cage match. The office thinking had to be, this will be a big draw for us. And it just didn't work, but I don't think it had anything to do with the ladies themselves. Very talented performers, a very good match. We can't say enough nice things about it, but it just feels like the masses, maybe they weren't ready for it yet. Story, a story it, it, it had, I, to me, it had nothing to do. It's, you know, what makes the number one hit the singer or the song. If you don't have both, you're not creating number one hits. You're not even really going to create a top 10. There was, to, to my knowledge and recollection, and again, this whole era, you, you had to literally in the middle of the complete rebrand, six-sided to four-sided, Nasty Boys, Orlando Jordan, I hate to beat that, but there was such an influx of new talent, these guys going out. It, it, was, it was a huge transition situation, and I'm not saying their story wasn't over. To my knowledge, 
there weren't a lot of stories that you go, oh man, that got over. Let's talk about something you're doing here. Uh, Meltzer would write Johnny Moss has not signed with TNA. He will be wrestling Jeff Jarrett in January when TNA goes to London. Jarrett is doing a deal where he will wrestle several different area independent wrestlers on shows to see firsthand what they know with the idea of perhaps offering them contracts. When they perform in Glasgow on January 27th, Jarrett will face Adrian McCallum from Scotland on that show. Scottish comedy actor, Greg Hemphill will be working as a special guest referee. Jarrett also did an angle on the uh, January 25th show in Berlin, where he did an angle with a well-known German musician. And the gimmick is the musician is going to find an opponent for him on the show. So you're having some fun to cross the pond. Are you handling your bookings for the independent scene or does this all come through the TNA office or what's that look like creatively? And is, is this all just your baby? No. And so here's where all this, and man, this is, um, the story behind the story. So TNA on our live events in the UK, 07, 06, 07, 08, 09, they got a little bit better every year, a little bit better, a little bit better. Me and Kurt, I think to this, you know, as far as paid attendance, best show at Wembley in, in UK ticket sales with. I'll say the Hogan regime of 2010, 2011, um, during this time they were down. And again, I said at the top of the show, I'm in live events and I'm in international and Andy Barton comes to me and look, Dixie's concerned, actually Dallas is concerned because we were spending a whole lot more money than we were the prior year or the prior, whatever it may. So, so how are we going to create revenue? Oh no. Now we're not even going to hit our numbers with the UK. Um, okay. That's an issue. <clears throat> so we sort of put our heads together or, or, or I did and, and, and started thinking, okay, let's go create local interest because the, the story is what it is. The show is what it is. So let's go basically do a publicity stunt in each market in Glasgow and London in, in, in Germany. And so, um, Gosh, I can remember talking to Nick Aldis. Uh, there were several folks that I started picking their brain who in these markets. And um, this is the very first time that I ever met, God rest his soul, uh, Linehart, Adrian. Uh, and then Malsey, Johnny Moss, who now is a NXT trainer. Um, anyway, so I, this was not a independent scene circuit type deal. This was all geared for me, uh, not me. Yeah. Well, me, because I'm like, hell, I'll wrestle these guys, but to create a publicity to sell tickets in each of these markets that we couldn't do outside of TNA. So I flew over, uh, I was doing, uh, publicity on all the traditional outlets, the morning shows, the, the paper, everything, all that. But, I was in Scotland. I went to a wrestling school, hit Adrian over the head with a guitar. We created this real sort of it was really, it was, a, it was, a, we just created a scene that Adrian was there and he was teaching kids, uh, or, you know, he was going through a wrestling school, double J the bad heel comes in and knocks him out with the guitar. And anyway, we created a storyline, uh, basically out of, we, we shot angles in each of these markets. Uh, same thing with Malsey, same thing in Germany, not, not exactly the same angle, but we created PR stunts, uh, to sell tickets. And, you know, to this day, that match with, with Adrian is one of my favorite and, uh, Greg Hemphill, you know, most of our listeners aren't going to, that's 
aren't going to really connect, but an enormous comedy actor in Scotland, still game was the show very well known. Uh, he was a special referee. So, um, it, it, those kind of things that I look back on my career, I had so much fun doing this in, in, in that there was an opportunity, um, to promote, to, to, to do an angle outside of impact. And, um, uh, it worked. It sold tickets. Uh, you could see the uptick in, in ticket sales that we weren't having before this. And we got a ton of publicity in London and uh, not so much in Germany, a little bit different because because of the language barrier and I couldn't get as intricately involved and, and do all that. But the, um, and not, I'm not even sure how the German situation panned out, but the, 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 the UK and I wrestled Mossy in London and Adrian in, uh, Glasgow and it worked. Let's take a time out here. And while we normally have a lot of fun on this show, this is a pretty serious topic, life insurance, specifically Goliath life insurance. Let me give you a pro tip. We're all going to die. So before you get a visit from the undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow with life insurance from goliathlife.com. What we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you. It's about those who matter the most to you. Sure. You do a great job taking care of them now, but who would do that? If something awful happened to you, I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, one forty-two with two kids, the other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance. And Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance, but think about this. You might not get in a car accident, but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. But will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me. Peace of mind. Goliathlife.com streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time. And at the same place, Goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, you pick your terms and payments at goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately and check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. They sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. You ever hear some of my commercials and think to yourself, ah, that sounds too good to be true. That's probably malarkey. Here's the deal, man. It's real. You know, I love all of them. You know, especially the new one with Jeff Jarrett. I love his stories and everything. You're listening to one of the best minds in um, 
professional wrestling out there. I don't think people give Jeff Jarrett enough credit. Everything that you'll hear Jeff talk about wrestling, you can hear his passion, his sincerity for wrestling. How my attention was gotten was the um, commercials. Just working with Conrad's team is one of the things I wanted to do. You feel like he's given so much to us as a community. You feel like he's the guy you want to use. You want to give back to him and his company and help him out too. My goals were to find the best rate that I could and the easiest way to look for a house in a different state. This definitely was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Like I said, it was just a breeze dealing with Blake and the team and being able to answer any of the questions. I think this is definitely one of the best teams I've ever had to deal with. It took about, where are we at, 16 days. So it took about 16 days just to get approved all the way through. I would totally recommend Conrad and his team. Uh, Save with Conrad has definitely been an easy buying experience. Go to savewithconrad.com. We're routinely helping wrestling fans around the country, just like you, save tens of thousands of dollars. How much can you save? Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Let's jump into, uh, the talk of Orlando. It's all over the observer. And again, this is the Hogan Bischoff era, but there's a lot of talk internally, uh, according to the observer about moving the show out of Orlando with the idea being, maybe we've burnt the crowd out. They've seen so much that now they don't really react. We need to get the show back on a, on the road because the reactions you get at a house show is probably what you want more on your TV but you're trying to serve two masters. What makes for better television and how do we run a business? How can we be as cost-effective? Where did you land on this in 2011 here? I was called from Dallas a couple of times off the record and on the record, like what were my thoughts. And it was a unique situation that I didn't want to get middled in, but I also said, it wasn't a problem in 07, 08, and 09. Why is it a problem now? What is the difference? Is what I would try to get them to ask themselves. And well, Dixie is telling us that it's the same. And I'm like, I understand that there are challenges at times, but we can also go to Wichita or Lubbock or LA or Denver or Nashville or Tampa. And you know what? The people aren't really into it tonight. The exact same thing can happen. Now, maybe not as often, but, or maybe, but <clears throat> taking the show on the road was not a cure to get, to engage the crowd is my opinion all throughout. And then I said at the very top, can we afford it? Can we afford it? Can we afford it? And when you, so if you're taping in Orlando, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, yeah, maybe by Wednesday, it's a little bit, but then all of a sudden you, you get Jeremy Borash and you get your audience coordinator and, and you get them fired up and you, you engage them and you give them something extra. You do what you do. You promote to keep them engaged. I, 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 you know, I thought it was a lazy man's excuse to say, oh, let's blame it on the Orlando crowd. Well, wait a minute. The Orlando crowd is supposed to be entertained. Who's responsible for entertaining the crowd creative. Period. Let's talk about some questionable creative. This is from the December 16th show. Meltzer's recapping it. And he's talking about the concussion angle that happened with Morgan and Anderson. The idea being that Anderson shows up and, uh, holds his head when he sees his name on the lineup sheet. 
we're sort of teasing that he has some concussion issues and then they just straight up discuss it. And Morgan actually says both of them have made a commitment to Chris Nowinski that when piss ant promoters like Bischoff try to put wrestlers in harm's way, we're supposed to tell them to fuck off. We're don't get me wrong. I get the realism and it certainly adds a layer to the storyline, but given what we know now about concussions and CTE, is this a little too close? Do you think again, I wasn't a part of creative and I don't know. I, I remember all this. I don't remember the seed and the story behind the story and the why. And it, it's one of those things that, uh, I was taught Lawler and my dad and others Dutch, probably at the top of that list as well. What's the upside? What's the upside of touching on CTE? You know, and I'm not saying those specific words, but what's the upside on this concussion angle? Where are you going with it? Are you really going to put Bischoff in that position that he literally, you know, you can be a no good rotten son of a gun and not use CTE. But again, I don't look, I'm not. So for me to sit up here and, and act like I'm getting on my high horse, I don't know where all this came from. I don't know if it was a Dixie Nowinski. I, I don't know the mindset. I don't know. And maybe I don't even know the payoff, but as you read it today, you can't help but say, ah, do we need to go down that road? Maybe not. Jay lethal winds up winning the X title from Robbie E on that show. Glad to see him pop up in AEW. I know we recently talked about that, but let's mention this from the observer. Eric young debuted finding the old world title belt in the trash can. Young now thinks he's a world champion and he had two Hooters girls with him who were there because they're plugging a spike special where there will be bikinis in the snow and young then goes to the room next to him for his guru for guidance. Brian Kendrick is playing the guru, which Meltzer says is a no money gimmick. If I've ever seen one. And then he says, Orlando Jordan and Eric young beat generation. Me want to repeat that Eric young and Orlando Jordan beat the young bucks in two minutes and 49 seconds. And young came out with the Hooters girls. And then Jordan came out dressed like a Hooters waitress with the orange short shorts and a small t-shirt. Young does a promo saying he was entering the most dangerous match of all time. The battle Royal. He then jumped in the ring and three referee, Brian Hebner over the top rope. I thought it was hilarious, but this crowd didn't care. He then threw both members of generation. Me that's the young bucks over the top and then clothesline Jordan over the top and celebrated like he won, but the audience didn't care. Generation me started hitting on the Hooters girls during the match while they were trying to get phone numbers, you know, during a match young nailed both with a tope. Jordan ended up beating Max with the Cobra clutch. These are the young bucks who've won tag team of the year as more times than I can count. And here they are wrestling Orlando Jordan dressed like a Hooters girl as they're hitting on Hooters girls and tapping out to the Cobra clutch. And it takes two minutes and 49 seconds. We're going to get to the Akata story here in a minute. <laughs> if you, if you want to dive, dive off into this, um, I do remember the spike situation and the Hooters integration. And it was a, um, it wasn't a request. It was a mandate. You have to get Hooters mentions and integration and basically product placement, if you will, involved in the story. Um, I don't think spike and Kevin K said, Hey, beat Jim me, but, but, um, yeah, there you have it. 
you when you really want to talk about the transition, like you have to know that Vince Russo was a part of 2009. He's also a part of 2010 in this writing, 2011. So you can't rain it all on him. <laughs> it's not all great news. TNA ends 2010 with two bits of bad news. Their world champion is expected to plead guilty to drug charges and their secondary television show was canceled. The Moore County district attorney's office on December 27th released information that Jeff Hardy would be pleading guilty on January 20th, the date of his next scheduled hearing. Also several sources within TNA confirmed this past week that spike TV informed the promotion three weeks ago. That reaction would be canceled at the end of its current 10 episode contract. The contract ends on December 30th and the show has been removed from the schedule the week after that. From a technical standpoint, this is not being called by either side publicly a cancellation only that no contract was offered by spike for future episodes. Spike officials told TNA that the cost of production of the show made it not worthwhile to continue. While the show did good ratings for an 11 P show on the station, it was recognized that the show, which was a brainchild of Bischoff and Hervey was to an extent gimmicked in its rating by having the television main event of impact bleed into the show, giving it an artificial first quarter boost. The cancellation is a financial hit for the promotion, which has already faced many money issues in 2010 because of its huge increase in talent contracts. So not the best news heading into 2011. You know, I, I don't know what we can or can't say about the Jeff Hardy legal situation. It kind of was what it was, I suppose. Uh, but the reaction to failure of, uh, the, I guess, what is your reaction to reaction being deemed a failure? Because all we heard as fans was, oh, it's great. It's got good ratings. Fans like it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I know Borash was particularly proud of it, but for whatever reason it gets scrapped. Were you surprised? I'm well aware of the spike deal. I never saw paper that, that said, Hey, we're going to pay you for this. I was always under the impression that it was a trial run and neither side could really quantify on what is this really going to cost TNA entertainment to produce? We had to deliver it. So what is the real hard cost? Obviously the talents there, but you had post-production we're running lean and meaning. So you're going to have to have you know, folks that are, that are going to take the content shot at the show and then turn it around and, and produce it at the same time, they're turning around a two hour show to produce it again, a transition period. And, you know, I don't think at this time, Eric and Jason or BHE were, were officially named the executive producers. That's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother episode, but I was removed as executive producer, uh, in, in, July, August, September, I bet September of 09. And I don't think a executive producer, a new one was named until I think into 2011, Eric may anyway, I don't know exactly where the contract. So Eric and them were, were there, but they were, were, you know, Eric's official title coming in was I'm going to be an advisor to Hulk. And then I'm going to be an on-screen talent. And it just sort of, sort of morphed, morphed into that. And I don't know where before, during, or after, but always my under impression from Dean Broadhead, the CFO, it was a trial period. What's it really going to cost? What's the upside going to be? Is it going to really increase revenue for us? Um, because a show like that, 
it, it, it's not a big licensing deal. It's because talent's there. It's all right. We got to post this. We got to edit it up, turn it around and flip it. So it wasn't going to be a massive amount of revenue as far as a license deal. Would it create buys and awareness and another? I, I don't, you know, that's, that's all debatable, but I wasn't surprised that it, that it, that, that Kevin K moved on from it. They were confused and they weren't happy. Meltzer is also going to say that TNA was ahead of where they were this time last year. And that sense that their house show numbers are up, he says they're still below a thousand uh, on average each month, but they're higher than last year. And he did say that they ran smaller markets so they could keep costs down. And Don West was there selling his ass off. So even if the show had poor attendance, he would make up for it because he's a wizard. That's what he does. Uh, but he did say costs are higher as well. Guys like Jeff Hardy, Rob Van Dam, Mr. Anderson, they're all making big money per appearance. Where were you thinking the company was at this point financially in 2011? I knew I wasn't thinking. And, you know, Dean, again, he was very appreciative of Don West and his strategy and the entire Craig Jenkins, the entire live event team, we were creating revenue you know, not that Dave, it wasn't too far off, but I think in 2010, we averaged about 1400 paid. Uh, and I think 2012 was about 13 anyway, but it, it, around that small markets, but we made money on those shows. Um, I can remember beating my head against the wall and Dean saying, we got to create more revenue. And I said, Hey Dean, I'm out here fighting the good fight. Don West is out here. We're creating revenue that didn't exist in 08 and 09 to the, to this magnitude. Uh, we're doing everything we can. Can you do me a favor? And he says, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, okay. Why don't you get the people that are on impact to actually come to live events? Conrad, I think I've told you this story at one time, there was an impact that aired on a Thursday and two out of the 37 talent or 35 talent. were going to be on the live events that weekend. Wow. That's insanity. Yeah. I mean, that's really insanity of, Hey, we're going to put all these guys on TV, but no, no, no. Dixie's like, no, no, they don't need to go bake live events. Okay. But you're bitching about live events, not creating enough revenue, but it just, it, I mean, you talk about a mess. It was a mess. So your, your, your question was the financial. I knew that it was in, we were headed for trouble because the talent that was being brought in were not being asked to work live events. And that doesn't work ever. Uh, let's talk about what else doesn't work. Hulk Hogan's career coming to an end and nobody's really talking about it. Meltzer would say it's kind of amazing that the career of Hogan is almost surely over with no fanfare. Hogan's 10 hour lumbar fusion surgery is almost a sure thing to end his in ring career as there's no way he should ever take bumps on that back. The surgery is generally considered the last resort when it comes to alleviating lifelong intense pain. Any kind of falling after that surgery is likely to break a hip due to all the hardware in your body, looking back at it, did you know at the time that's the end of Hogan's wrestling career? There was all the kind of talk. And again, Alt goes back with my family, late seventies and everything that went with it. But I was always like, so he's going through serious, serious, serious back surgery, all kinds of issues. And we're still paying this guy a boatload of money. Like what kind of sense does that make? Um, 
but yeah, I mean, every indication that, that I heard or was aware of was the back surgery went a lot longer than expected and he's probably done. Well, let's talk about, uh, what you're doing here. <laughs> I, I mean, I, here's reality. He does wrestle three more times in his career. Yeah. I get staying at bound for glory two six man tags in England in January, 2012. And that's it. But whew, it sure would have been cool if you would have known, you know, I don't know what could have been right. Again, leadership starts at the top and he was such a, I mean, he was getting paid a lot of money as it relates to the bottom line of TNA. I mean, a lot of money by far the highest paid per shot guy, including Kurt angle per guy per shot. I mean, and, and you know, the ROI, it was, it was, it was painful for me to watch then. And it was actually painful for me to, for me to read through the notes because look, injuries happen. It, it it's unfortunate. He put a lot of wear and tear and did. He's the single biggest box office attraction as far as longevity. I think the business, I think Taker's up there, but Hulk's, Hulkamania and the NWO run, I mean, my God. But, but you know, him coming into to, to TNA and, and that big contract, just, just from a business perspective, though ROI was damn near uh, non-existent. And, and the proof is in this discussion we're having. Yeah. So let's talk about what you're doing. Jarrett's going to beat amazing red in an MMA match. Uh, this is all from the observer Jarrett. Then for the next week's show wrestled amazing reds, little brother under MMA rules. Apparently this segment was great as Jarrett thought it was a little brother and got on his knees. Then Tommy Mercer came out. He's had a few tryout matches and they liked him and facially he resembles red. Creative had been looking for an idea to do something with him to be Red's brother, and this was the idea. Red's brother dominated Jarrett, who got put in a few submissions, and Jarrett had to make the ropes. Frustrated, Jarrett tried to use the guitar, and Red ran in and stopped him, so there was no finish. Jarrett turned the heat up when it came to the mocking of Angle here. By the way, Tommy Mercer is the future Crimson, so clearly you knew this guy had something. And this is, uh, the first time we get to see him, but what a nice way to do it. He's red's little brother, which amazing red is not necessarily the largest human. So when you hear little brother, heel Jeff gets all excited about that. Right. Oh, it, it watching this back. It's fun. It's, it's what, a, you know, uh, hats off me and crimson, obviously through the years have become, you know, close and I've worked very closely with him. His home base is about an hour from my house up in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, but he did such a good job. I mean, this is, to my knowledge, this is like his first TV, you know, and it wasn't easy, um, but, but his premiere and debut and everything that went with it. But again, me getting to play that role of that just overbearing, but just way too confident. Oh, little Reds, little brother. How about that? You know, just playing into all that and the way, Red's facials were and, and Crimson's facials were, and it just fit. It, it really fit good pop. Uh, again, I'm going to go back and watch the crowd in these segments 
the Orlando crowd wasn't a problem during these segments. Yeah. And it's the exact same time frame. Uh, let's talk about the other thing Meltzer wrote here. Jarrett did an interview and said, due to liability issues with all the TNA legal issues, he was told he can't be out there doing matches with fans. So he announced that the hundred thousand dollar challenge is for exhibition matches. And also that after what happened last week with red's brother, he would only face people who were smaller than he was. There are those who believe the booking of this Jarrett MMA storyline is some of Russo's best work in a long time basing it on the intense crowd heat during every segment. Don't get me wrong. I haven't heard it suggested that it will make a significant difference in business as we're apparently past the point where good angles mean bigger numbers. Jarrett faced yet another plant from the 3d wrestling school. He used the ankle lock on the guy and refused to break until angle ran in to make the save angle. Then said he was going to face Jarrett at the pay-per-view and Jarrett went off on angle for living up to his word and saying you're retired. Angle said that he shouldn't worry because it's only an exhibition match. Some nice realism, some good stuff, great heat, great segments. I hope people check this out. This is some of the most fun you had in this era. Is it not? You know? Yes. And, and and again, thinking, thinking, thinking through all this, this really highlights in a lot of ways, this whole story. Um, and I'm going to Dave's point that look, is it going to drive a buy rate? No. But if we would have had this pay-per-view match and not been in that uh, mindset of we got to do a monthly pay-per-view and it would have been a quarterly pay-per-view and this could have been a, a 10-pole event for a TV match, just like AEW is doing right now. They have you know their specials, the, the Battle of the Belts or whatever it is. They, they do some 10-pole events um, you know, with TV specials. It, this, this whole storyline had a nice arc to it, a lot of heat, a lot of excitement. It and and Kurt, this promo, and that's where I'm going down with it. That Kurt's promo, he is such a good actor when he turns it on, and his delivery of "Oh, come on, man, it's just an exhibition," but he's like sticking it to me. Good reaction, good facials. It, it clicked. A lot of things in this storyline uh, and program uh, clicked between me and Kurt. Let's also mention Kazarian winds up winning the X division title shots. Take on lethal. The main program is going to be between Matt Morgan and Mr. Kennedy with the winner, getting a shot at Jeff Hardy at the next pay-per-view man. You're loaded with talent. Matt Morgan and Mr. Kennedy are getting the nod here. Is this more based on necessity or are we really trying to make some new stars here? No, I mean, the, the, the creative force and, you know, again, was it, Again, it was the group, so I, I don't know who who the the actual vote was, but uh, I was certainly high on Mr. Kennedy, but so were a lot of others. Uh, Morgan as well, big six ten dude, looked great. Um, Both of those creative. guys are Hulk favorites, right? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And then you know, you but you when you talk about, I mean, Kazarian, fantastic. Yes, and me, fantastic. We've already gone through some of the. The, the knockouts, um, o- Okada, <laughs> who's a part of this whole time frame. I mean, the, we were loaded with talent, really, really good talent. Let's talk about Okada. But before we do, I want to mention Rob Van Dam is in an eight man tag on December 23rd. Uh, and he's talking about finally getting his hands on Jeff Hardy. Why do you think we never really got a sustained program with Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy and TNA? <clears throat> 
I'd have to sort of line up the pay-per-view calendar and schedule, but you know, Jeff had some rough times yeah. during this little era. I, I would have to say the timing of, of, yeah, the simple answer is they're timing. both baby faces. Okay. The timing, but they're both baby faces. Where's it going to fit? Uh, the eight man tag was Rob Van Dam and the motor city machine guns teaming up with uh, Matt Morgan to take on Jeff Hardy abyss and beer money. So a lot of talent in here. We also see Doug Williams is the TV champion. He's feuding with AJ styles and fortune. Um, TNA is well represented at the new Japan, Tokyo dome show. We've got beer money, Rob Van Dam, Okada, and Jeff Hardy. Here's what Meltzer wrote about Okada. By the way, this is the new Japan Tokyo dome show that happens on January 4th. Every year, you guys know it is wrestle kingdom, biggest shit going, right? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Okada was billed as being from TNA since he's based in Florida. He works dark matches and explosion matches, and they don't deem him impact worthy because he's Japanese as he's a good worker with more size than most of the Japanese wrestlers. He's considered to have a good fortune in new Japan, which is why he was sent to TNA and they did nothing. Considering what Okada wound up becoming, I mean, probably one of the all time greats. I mean, this guy's going to go down as when people talk about, you know, the best wrestlers in the history of Japan, he's going to be in that conversation year after year. He's had outstanding matches. And really at this point, the entire new Japan promotion is built around him. He is their top star, but you guys had him and he's working on explosion and fucking YouTube. Is this maybe the biggest miss in TNA history? It's certainly, and I am so glad I had no part of it. It is certainly right up there at the top of it. <clears throat> What's crazy, and here's where <clears throat> I got so frustrated, and I had these conversations with Dallas, that I'm like, I can't touch this. This is a Dixie Carter on down. But you guys have the numbers. Hey, Janice, you have the numbers. Look at the money and the revenue that was created by the New Japan relationship when Kurt wrestled Yuji Nagata, yeah. when Team 3D went over there. I mean, year after year, Deal after deal, it, it's in. It's not a hey maybe. It's not hypothetical. It's not rumor and innuendo. No, here's real money. And now we're in 2010, 2011, and they have transported someone. Look, am I saying that I knew Okada is going to be maybe? No, I didn't know that. But he's a young boy, and the relationship was great. And if they say he's good, he's, he's good. good. Yes. Okay. Yeah. If they say he's good and, 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 and they're paying to relocate this young man halfway around the world and, and, and he's living and he's not a plane ticket for us. I'm not saying he's the main event of impact, but give the guy some respect and surround him, put him in a tag team, do something with him. And Dixie and team acted like he was a damn nuisance. It's unbelievable the lack. Uh, I don't even want to say vision, just the, the lack awareness, awareness, a lack of awareness that, Hey guys, let's do something, just something because of the value of the relationship. And they had no interest in it and they're all a part of it. They were all aware of it. When you, multiple times it was discussed. 
All right. So listen, guys, don't wait until it's too late. If you think you might be losing your hair at some point in the future, the best option is to keep your current hair. Get in front of this thing. And here's the reality. Two out of three men experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. In fact, more than 50 million men here in America suffer from male pattern baldness. And believe it or not, there are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss and keeps offers both. I have to admit, I didn't think this was in my future until this past April. I saw my dad started to get a little thin and I started to worry, what do I need to do? And then I remembered, oh yeah, keeps. You see, keeps offers a simple stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications will be delivered straight to your door every three months, meaning you don't have to leave your home. It's also low cost. Treatment started just $10 per month and Keeps offers generic versions. It comes in discreet packaging and they have proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Now, prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see the results. So act fast. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Jarrett to receive your first month of treatment free. That's keeps.com slash Jarrett to start your first month free. That's keeps.com slash Jarrett. K-E-E-P-S.com slash Jarrett. It's been said that, you know, a lot of that was based on Russo, but I, I mean, I know for sure Eric Bischoff understood the value of the new Japan relationship or he wouldn't have done it so well with WCW. Exactly. So it's hard for me to hang this on Eric. I'm not saying, you know, maybe he couldn't have done more. But is this just Russo? Is this Hogan? Did, did Dixie not see it again? Nobody could have. I'm not saying that anybody would have said the young bucks are going to be one of the most decorated tag teams in history. And Okada is going to win wrestler of the year a fucking dozen times. I'm not saying anybody knew that that was going to be the case, but it sure does feel like you had everything it took to be a monster promotion, but the stuff that worked in the eighties is what was on the main event. And the stuff that was from the future never made proper airtime. Let me ask you something, Conrad. What do you think about the old phrase audience of one? Uh, I'm very familiar with it, but I'm asking when you, for you to phrase it that way, was the audience of one here, Bob Carter, Dixie Carter, Hulk Hogan. And I'm going the other way with it. Who were they writing TV for? I think they, it's, it's, I think Hulk was writing for Hulk. I think Dixie was writing for whoever she talked to last. I think Vince was writing, bro, we got to get ratings and I'm not discounting any of it. Right. But I don't think there was ever, you know, and Eric was like story structure, compelling, you know, everything. So, so I, I think the culture that was created again, I'm not pointing fingers. There was no audience of one is what I'm saying is there wasn't a clear cut vision. And I'm over here in, in Nashville doing international and live events. And that was my sort of my end to tell Dallas, Hey guys, I'm in charge of creating revenue internationally. We built this new Japan relationship up and we are making money. And now you guys are decimating it just because you don't even want to pay attention to it. That's the real reality. There was no audience of one. Let's talk ratings before we get to Genesis impact on December 30th had 1.4 million viewers. I just want to add context to this. That's December 30th, 2010, 1,400,000 viewers for impact raw on December 27th, 2021, AKA last month, 
Oh, wow. The last episode of raw in 2021 had 1,592,000 viewers. So raw in 2021 had a hundred and 92,000 more viewers than wow. impact did 10 years ago. It's pretty crazy when you put it in that context. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Matt Hardy is being brought up as a mystery opponent for Rob Van Dam. Uh, I guess everybody's sort of wondering, you know, what do we do in, in with, with all that's going on with, with Jeff Hardy, uh, bully Ray is introduced as the newest incarnation of Bubba Ray. This transformation is really going to be the highlight of bully singles career. Uh, did you know right away he had what it took to be a, a, a top level heel as a singles? It, I mean, it's certainly not rocket size. I mean, as, like I said, as the tag team, they're not bookends. They're, they're not the, the, you know, the exact same. And, and they both, um, if, if you want to say Devon would maybe play a, a, a secondary role, but, but not really, they just two different unique individuals, but bullies promo skills and work skills, single tag, six man, he's got the goods and he can be a hell of a baby face and a hell of a heel. He's very well-rounded right up there at the top. Uh, the observer would also say, not sure what the status is of Desmond Wolf. He was at the last tapings doing an angle scheduled for impact, but then it never aired. He also mentioned a few weeks back on impact and passing that Magnus saying he was going to try to play football, but it got it out of his system and would be back soon. But then his name wasn't mentioned since Nigel McGinnis, one of the best wrestlers in the world in ring of honor a few years prior to this. Uh, it looked like he was headed for WWE. It didn't work out for whatever reason. Uh, there's a whole documentary about that. If you want to go check that out, but it does look like he's, uh, winding down here and nobody really knows exactly what's going on with that. I believe that, uh, Bruce has his opinions. What do you think happened with Nigel McGinnis or Desmond Wolf here in impact and TNA? In, in Timpact or in TNA impact. Yeah. I, I, and I'll diplomatically and we can move on. My best recollection is there was a medical issue that came up. Yes. Now I remember that, but I think the idea was he was going to try to be commissioner of explosion yeah. and he was going to do some commentary stuff. And it was relayed through Bruce on something to wrestle years ago Yeah, that he was trying to pursue acting. And that maybe was taking priority and he needed to miss some tapings for acting. And as you know, the financial state of TNA, we're trying to cut oh. whatever costs we can, that sort of deal. They went their separate ways. Yeah. It's out. I'm done. Let's talk about the show. Here we are. Genesis 2011. This, this show actually gets 51% thumbs up in the observer. Uh, match one is a hell of a way to start. If you could start every pay-per-view from forever and ever. Amen. With Kazarian and Jay Lethal for the X title, I'm in. Uh, they get 11 minutes and 36 seconds. It's a three and a quarter star match. Kazarian's going to get the win. He wins the X division. Both of these guys are now in AEW. Frankie Kazarian is uh, a lot like Mickey James to me, and that he's been good the whole time. And every now and again, creative would would do right by him. But I don't think I've seen a segment Kazarian was ever in and, and felt disappointed or cheated like. That dude brings it every time. I'm never disappointed. And you could say the same thing about Jay lethal, right? And, you know, I could remember in Orlando, um, 
Conrad, did you ever go to Orlando backstage? I'm sure you did. No, not backstage. No. Okay. But anyway, from catering to the, to the offices, to the tra- trailers, you know, you do a lot of movement and there's so many times I could remember having guys wanting to come up and talk. And I'm not saying specifically Frankie, but I mean, just town after town who wanted to move up the card. And even when I was, uh, executive producer or head of creative. And then during this role talent, I mean, uh, live events international, it, 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 it crystallizes. And I often think of the situation right now in AEW, there are only a finite number of top spots. And then from top spots, you, you go to, you know, I'll say upper mid card, then mid card. And, and then, I mean, it is what it is, but Frankie J lethal, Oh my gosh, we could go Motor City Machine Guns. Um, oh, I mean, Sanjay Dutt. Uh, I mean, we talked Mickey, Tara. I mean, there were so many, much really, really good talent. We had so much talent. Uh, my point is, we had so much talent in there. There weren't enough spots to go around. And Frankie was a victim of that in, in TNA many times. And it's nothing he did wrong. Yeah. Next up, Madison rain is going to pin Mickey James in 10 and a half minutes to keep the knockouts title. Uh, Meltz would say they tried, but the longer they went, the more it fell apart. Uh, they were out there way too long for somewhat of rain's ability on pay-per-view James spanked her at one point. They did a Thez press off the top, but didn't get the pin. James then set up a DDT, but Tara came out. And while James was distracted, rain loaded her glove and hit James and got the pin. So Madison rain keeps the knockouts title. Once again, Mickey James, the bridesmaid boy, Mickey James is a pro, uh, but this probably was a little too long of a match for Madison at this point. Don't you think? Oh, definitely. And, you know, in Madison from where she was at 2010, 2011 to where she was in, in the last couple yeah, I'll say, you know, as she progressed in her career way better. She, oh, wait. And that's hats off because, you know, it's not like she got to get out and, and work 15 house shows a month or live events a month. Uh, but she steadily improved, steadily improved at this point to hang with Mickey James, probably, you know, and that's the conversation that, that I often would have with Vince through the years. It may look great on paper, but the execution of a pay-per-view match that goes eight, 10 minutes, Vince, it's not there. Oh, bro. We'll make it work. No, you won't Vince. It, it was what it was. Um, Beer money is going to beat Motor City Machine Guns in 17 minutes and 57 seconds to win the TNA tag titles. Meltzer called it the best match on the show, but still not even close to their level of their TV match in August that everyone's still talking about. More of a traditional tag match, uh, three and three quarter stars. Rude gets a schoolboy with the trunks on Shelly for the pin. You know, you talk about Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and Beer Money. James storm and, and Bobby rude four badass performers, collectively two incredible tag teams. I think you could argue in this era, they gotta be in the top five tag teams in the whole space. Right. I thought beer money was during this era, maybe the top tag team in the business. And I say that because their merch in our world was by far the hottest seller. Um, you know, it was always 
them and Hardy. But I mean, that you know that that one shirt was number one for for quite a while. But they took off, um, and they could work. Their in ring work was great. Their promos great. The presentation was great. It was cool, hip. Uh, look, Motor City, Motor City Machine Guns. You know, maybe not the best promo skills. They didn't need to. Uh, they they had the dynamic of. I call it maybe the best ever X division tag team that I, I think, uh, you know, and look, I, I know Jim, me didn't get the opportunity, but I'm talking about this era. Uh, those guys didn't get the opportunity, but motor city machine guns, they could go. And these were, God, they were clinics, man. I don't live events, beer money, a hell of a pop and entrance and all that. Um, good stuff, man. They made all the live events. I'll say that. Next up, Bully Ray and Brother Devine. Uh, Bully Ray is going to get the win in eight minutes and 50 seconds by DQ. Or the house down. A superheated brawl, pretty much exactly what the first match of a program should have been. Uh, they're using a chain. They got lots of uh, punches and whipping with the chain. And eventually, Devine gets DQ'd for the chain. Devine shoves the referee and, and pounds on him. Bubba gets a cheap shot in, and then they do the pull apart. And finally, Bubba hits a low blow as the agents and referees are holding Devon back. And then he runs off three and a half stars. This story just sells itself because you know, the story of the Dudley brothers. And uh, now that they're together in a singles match. And by the way, let's just recap what we're doing so far. Kazarian and Jay lethal three and a quarter stars, Madison rain and Mickey James, who we all love one star. Incredible tag match with beer money and motor city machine guns, three and three quarter stars. And now bully Ray and Devon three and a half stars. These are great characters. They're great stories. They're great matches. We're doing, this is pretty big time for a pay-per-view here, dude. Well said, I mean, it's, it's, um, again, overabundance of talent. I'm just saying there's a whole lot of folks who I think, and I get it, you know, they just dismiss TNA because of one bad idea here or there. But this is a hell of a pay-per-view with a lot of talent, but the economics of this still just baffle me. Like there's 1100 fans here, but it's in Orlando. So the gate is $0 and we've got all these stars. I mean, really good matches, only 20,000 buys on pay-per-view. Like in the context of who this is and what it is, not enough people have seen this. Uh, next up, AJ Styles. Uh, he is not going to be here. He's supposed to be here challenging, uh, Doug Williams for the TV title, but he can't wrestle. He tore a hip flexor and, and his labrum while playing with his kids. Meltzer would say, even though Williams versus Styles show, stole the show at final resolution, TNA didn't let its audience know the built up rematch wasn't happening. Even though the company knew in advance, instead, the only acknowledgement was after the show started. So what did they do? Out goes AJ in comes abyss and believe it or not, abyss wins. Now the fans are chanting. We want AJ. Eventually Doug makes a comeback with a back suplex and a knee drop for a near fall. That knee drops off the top rope, by the way, uh, abyss's hand here winds up bloody. He goes to get the barbed wire board. Andrew Thomas, our referee is going to stop abyss from bringing it into the ring. Styles is going to badly limp into the ring and hit Williams with a belt shot. Abyss then nails the black hole slam for the pen star and a quarter. So, you know, listen, we've got to deliver AJ, however we can. So if he can't wrestle, let's at least put him in the story. So he's cost Doug the story. I guess it's better than nothing, 
and I know you're not exactly running everything here. There's other management issues, shall we say, but when one of your top guys like AJ is in a title match and he gets hurt playing with his kids, it's not like he intended to get hurt. He didn't do it intentionally. Obviously. Are you frustrated, pissed off? What would we call it? AJ's kids beat him up. That's the bottom line of it. <laughs> but no, I just sitting here thinking about, I'd love to, uh, Derek, maybe next time, but you know, what was the Royal rumble of this month, 2011, because we made the fans decide and you're talking about, this is it's good content. It's compelling, you know, 1.4, 1.5 million fans watching week in week out. And, and to sit back and, you know, again, here we are 10 years later, for sure. Hindsight's 2020, but the business model, and now it's funny. I heard that, you know, uh, the, the announcers the other night, WWE talking about their day one as premium content. Hmm. We had premium content back then. That's what our pay-per-views were called international. We're going to send the premium content out. Impact was the two-hour show, and once a month, they got a three-hour pay-per-view named premium content. But, yeah, uh, so AJ being forced in this, it, it and again, it goes back to, I'm not pointing fingers, but the mindset was a monthly pay-per-view. We advertised AJ, or he's been a part of the storyline leading up to it. We got to deliver AJ. When in reality, no, we didn't. But I, maybe I would have concurred at the time. I don't remember my thoughts, but... There was so much frustration for me personally going on during this time because of the revenue situation, or, or let me say this because of the expenses getting out of control situation. Royal rumble that year in a word sucked. It was a 40 man okay. Royal rumble. Ultimately, Alberto Del Rio is going to win. There's a fatal four way with Eve Torres, Layla, Michelle McCool, and Natalia. There's a WWE championship match with the Miz beating Randy Orton. There's a world heavyweight match with edge beating Dolph Ziggler and in the pre-show it was our truth versus Kurt Hawkins. So what the password does it say the bat? Anyway, I, I just say that we made, you know, like we did every month, the audience had to vote. Who are we going to buy a pay-per-view? They didn't, I mean, some folks bought too, but a lot of folks says, all right, this is my pay-per-view Sunday. I'm watching the rumble. The buy rate you know? was 476,000 buys. And I'm sure on this Sunday, we are going up against football, you know, during this time, yeah. we're probably going up against so anyway. Yeah. Good content didn't deliver on the revenue. So they also debut Matt Hardy as the secret opponent for Rob Van Dam. This is from Meltzer's report. Unfortunately, that didn't go well in a lot of levels while they would have almost certainly increased business a little, had they advertised Matt's debut, that's their own issue. Plus he looked anything, but like the WWE version of Matt Hardy. He didn't appear in shape or have much of a spring in his step. That's directly from Meltzer. They go 11 minutes and 49 seconds. Hardy gets the win. And Meltzer would say, even though it was Hardy's debut match, the match wasn't much. And the crowd lost interest at the five minute mark and never came back. By the way, the referee here is Jackson James, AKA Eric Bischoff's kid. Um, they do a deal where Hardy uses a twist of fate. And Van Dam's leg is so far under the rope that it's hanging off the apron, but the referee counts three anyway. So Meltzer says it looks like they're building to acknowledge that James is Bischoff's son, son, or at least trying to make him a heel referee. But this is really the start of Garrick Bischoff becoming a character. It seems oddly placed when it's a big debut and a big win over Rob Van Dam. Any comments about 
Matt coming in to save the day or, or Meltzer's comments. And then we'll talk about what you thought of Garrett Bischoff coming in. So I, I could remember getting the heads up. I was elated when I heard Matt was coming in, um, the very top of the list. I thought it'd be good for Jeff. Um, you know, the, the monetization of the Hardys on live events that I thought was going to happen that never did, so to speak, you know, on a full-time basis, but look, um, I've gone through a rough patch in my life and Matt, I had no idea, but he was in the throes of a very rough patch in his life and it just didn't work out. Uh, it, it wasn't probably an era of his career. He likes to remember. Um, and it, it just didn't work. It didn't click. Um, but man, again, the, the talent stacked on stop. I mean, just, we were packed with talent. It just amazing in a lot of ways, but, um, yeah, I, I don't remember this finish specifically. I do remember, uh, when I found out Garrett was going to be in this role, I remember having a, a quick brief conversation with Eric and say, Hey, Eric, I don't know Garrett that well. I've seen him around all this, but my point being is I am well aware of being a promoter's kid or being the boss's kid. I debuted as a referee. It is not, I don't care what it's not an easy role. If you're just going to be a traditional ref that stays out of the way and counts one, two, three is one thing. But if you're going to be thrust into a storyline, I'm here to help. It's not easy. And uh, me and Garrett, have always from day one, we hit it off and we're friends. Next up, it's time to talk about your match with, uh, Kurt angle, Kurt angle beats Jeff Jarrett by DQ in 40 seconds of the third round of what was called an MMA exhibition angle and Jarrett, instead of having a great match as they have the ability to did a weird grappling exhibition match that made no sense with the way they worked it. Although they did get super heat doing it. Oh boy. It was something that would have made a great television angle, but when you're buying a pay-per-view to see angle, you expect an angle match, a three, two minute round grappling exhibition can feel like a ripoff, especially when it comes with not getting styles as advertised during the show, Jared announced it was three, two minute rounds and that no striking was allowed because he didn't want angle to get hurt, but his $100,000 was still at stake. Of course, the way they worked the match that made no sense. The first round was a complete stall trying to remake a Antonio McKee and Jacob Volkman fight. I'm sure you watched that for research. Oh, what? <laughs> uh, Jarrett wouldn't get near angle who dared him to lock up. Then Kurt dropped him to his back and laid down and tried to get Jarrett to jump on him, but Jarrett wouldn't do it as bad as this sounds. And it was the crowd was hotter for this than anything else on the show, except Bubba and Devon. The story of the second round was angle humiliated Jarrett by getting him into one submission after another, and then breaking and putting on a new one. This is totally illogical with the money at stake. He used a Kimura, an arm triangle, an arm bar, then an ankle lock. And then the round ended the third angle saw Jarrett spit in angles face. Jarrett then rubbed something in angles eyes and the bell rang. It rang early as this wasn't supposed to be the finish. And they kept going, pretending there was no bell. Angle then bladed himself right as the camera had the perfect angle to see it. Jarrett started punching the cut, violating his self-imposed rules. The bell rang again for Jarrett punching angle was bleeding bad and the heat was good. A star and a half. So Meltzer clearly didn't like it besides the heat, but I am curious what you thought of the match. And then this 
I guess, rumor or speculation that the bell rang at the wrong time. Poor Dave. And I get it. He has to report on what he sees and what he think is supposed to happen. Bell ringing all look, you know, I'm not going to, I didn't go back and watch this, but it all clicked that night. Um, it was, uh, in between the second and the third round, the storyline was, I knew that I was in trouble storyline wise in real life. I could handle myself, Conrad, you know that. Uh, but, but it storyline wise, no, it was between the second, third round. They gave me water cause I had my gloves taped up, put water in my mouth, go over and spit in his eyes. And then it's on. I can remember being very upset later in the night when I was told, Hey, you may go want to go look at that. They got the wrong shot. They got the wrong shot of what? Uh, Kurt. What about Kurt? Um, just go watch it yourself. And sure enough, I was not a happy camper. I'm like, son of a, who do, Anyhow, who do you hoot and holler at on that deal? Uh, probably went to Keith first, but it's all a director. It's, it's literally director. You have to look in the preview. Cause when you're got your seven, eight, nine cameras or whatever, you have what's going out on the air. And then the screen right next to it says preview. And you don't punch preview, and sometimes the tech to that technical director, they're the ones that actually take and push the button. So they took the wrong shot by not previewing it. And I know it's live TV and anything could happen, but knowing in between rounds is when it's going down, stay wide, don't get in close, certainly stay away from Kurt's right hand. He's right handed, those kind of things. It is what it is. Um, but the heat and, and look, I, I get because Dave's world revolves around matches, five-star and four-star and three-star. I, I get that. I, and I'm, I get it. I totally understand. But if we're going to have a pay-per-view, which again, I've gotten into the business model, the c- people in the arena wanted to see Kurt kick my ass in 90, Mike Tyson in nine seconds, not 90 seconds. They were up for it. They came, you know, the, the people there live were like, we're going to see something who cares about a 20 minute five-star Kurt Angle match. This storyline clicked. They wanted to see live. It was really a good, I enjoyed it. It was, a, I thought a really good payoff to the whole storyline. Kurt was phenomenal in promos all throughout this. He played it perfectly like John Wayne, like cool hand Luke, like, all right, Jeff. As a wrestler, we can go toe-to-toe. I'm still the Olympic gold medalist. But if we're going to get all into this MMA world, I'm going to kick your ass in 10 seconds. So if we're going down that road, let's do it. He played it so, I thought, the opposite. I, I think the yin and the yang of us, we always work well together in the ring. But the yin and the yang of me over the top being super confident and Kurt being super confident as a baby face that I'm going to kill this guy. It just worked. It clicked. So next up our main event, Mr. Anderson is going to pin Matt Morgan in 15 minutes and 29 seconds in a battle to see who is the number one contender. By this point, they've large, largely dropped the concussion angle, uh, including a spot where Morgan would post Mr. Anderson, which wouldn't have happened if they weren't doing that. Anderson hit a couple of mic checks, but slow to cover. I guess he's teasing. He's not hundred percent. But the finish would see the two collide heads and then Anderson use an inside cradle for the pin two and a half stars. And then something different happened. Bischoff announced that 
Anderson would get his title shot at Jeff Hardy right now. I think a lot of people assumed, uh, Hey, if Jeff Hardy's here, they're going to advertise it, but they did not. So what do you know? Jeff Hardy is here and they're going to have him be involved in a match here to defend his world title. Uh, Meltzer would say they had a match, which under normal circumstances would have been considered an overbooked mess, given that there was interference or distraction from seven different people at different times. All of these folks are involved in this same match now with Anderson and Hardy, Matt Morgan, Mick Foley, Rick Flair, Matt Hardy, Rob Van Dam, and Eric Bischoff. Mm. But Meltzer says it wasn't like anything, but the constant run-ins and Anderson kicking out of all the Hardy's moves was going to get the crowd into the match. So it was for the best. The idea is that Anderson is hurting badly with the mentality that they were just doing the WWE money in the bank cash in on the baby face who just went through a tough match and was injured. So Jeff Hardy came out and close smoking a cigarette. Seeing this, my reaction was if he cares so little about the title, then why should I? but I'm 10 years behind the times because nobody has cared about this title in forever. Anderson kicked out of the twist of fate right away. And people didn't even care. No pop for a spot you'd think was easy, but to their credit with all the near falls and run-ins, people were into it down the line. Hardy came back and hit the swanton, but Anderson kicked out Anderson's bleeding at this point, And he does the Lambo plunge, but after delivering it starts selling like he's exhausted. Hardy used a running clothesline and called for Matt to run down who did. And Meltzer said it wasn't pretty Van Dam then attacked Matt and they brawled in the aisle. Bischoff grabbed a chair, but before he could use it, Anderson gave Bischoff the mic check and rolled him out of the ring. Jeff Hardy went for the twist of fate, but Anderson blocked it and hit the mic check for the pin. As noted, normally this kind of booking burns out the crowd, but I guess because the match was a bonus it actually saw the crowd get pretty hot at the end for a match. They didn't care about it first three and a half stars. So Mr. Anderson debuted at uh, Genesis 2010. Here we are one year later and he's winning the big belt at this point. Was Ken ready to, uh, be the man or is he just a bandaid of sorts considering all that Jeff has going on in real life? Well, you know, and I wasn't again in the room. So I'm well aware that in the room, there's so many factors that go on Jeff's legal situation, Ken, who knows, maybe contractual, where, where are we going to go? We brought Matt in. So are Jeff and Matt going to be monetized more and used as a tag team? Bunch of different factors obviously go into it. I was always a fan of Ken. I, I thought that his promos were good. Uh, he was fresh at the time. Now for me to teleport back into that era, there, there, just so many different moving parts. Uh, but you know, the, the, the transition as it was, it's, it's so difficult. You just said seven different folks in that one finish, including Foley and Flair. It's really hard to do anything when you have those kind of mega legends. Yeah. Yes, it it is. But it, it's just hard. If you're going to crown, especially a new babyface champion, it's just difficult if you're going to involve people of the stature of Foley and Flair. Let's, uh, let's keep it going and, and, and ask your opinion of the show overall. I mean, the, the main event kind of is what it is, but there's so much memorable stuff on here. So many great talents, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I mean, I gotta go to, to me. Well, I don't have to, I'd like, I feel in during this era, it's, it's, um, 
I do think it's it's the transition, but it wasn't quite TNA LOL. There was a lot of good content being created. The outside didn't world didn't know that that the the company was, was at the beginning of the financial death spiral. They they didn't know all the you know massive uh, checks and balances that were going unseen. They didn't really realize. Uh, oh, just at this live event in in whatever it is, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Nobody that was on Impact last night is here tonight. The the real micro situations going on in the big picture, people weren't aware. So I thought it's a good show on the surface, and even when you get down on a match by match basis. But as you uncovered and research uncovered, and I enjoy discussing all kind of things like that. When you take in the Okada situation, coupled with the overall relationship with New Japan, when you take in new upcoming talent like Jin Me out there hitting on Hooter girls because it's a Hooters integration. Uh, seriously, I mean, you know, when, when you take whatever it may be, when we went through it sort of segment by segment, match by match, um, it's a, it, it, to me, uh, 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 it's fun to go back and, and, and take a stroll down memory lane, but it's a, to me, it's a thumbs up, but there's so many sidebars, Conrad, we could have made this podcast three, four hours. Uh, but, but we didn't. And I, I, I appreciate that because we stayed on point today in a lot of ways. It was a good show, but man, a lot of head scratchers and what ifs, a lot of what ifs. And one of the biggest ones literally is Matt Morgan. ad free shows. Top guy. Antonio says, why do you think Matt Morgan was never world champion? It always seemed like his creative was stop and start. Was there something holding him back? Uh, it's a good question. Timing's everything. Uh, when Matt came on the scene, I, you know, I know he was in that title discussion multiple times. Why it was never the trigger was never pulled. I don't know. Timing would be the short answer to me next week. Jeff, we're going to pick up where we left off talking all things USWA, the way it all came together when uh, your dad bought into the Von Eric territory of world class, you find yourself making some bus trips back and forth. And you're going to get to stretch your legs in the professional wrestling business a little bit, right? Conrad, I had lunch today with my father. Oh, really? And he, and I'll get to share it next week. It's this is all perfect timing. You sprung the topic on me. He had some conversations with Fritz that I'll have to clean up a little bit, uh, to, to make it PG, but it's fascinating. I think you will look, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing it with you because it all goes into the, the entire birth of USWA. And at the same time, it was the, the slow, painful, but strategic death of WCCW and from a legal perspective and why it had to be done. So one promotion died. Another was sort of launched and, and, and born. Um, and Lord knows we got plenty of research to go on Conrad. Man, I'm fired up. Looking forward to it. Hope you guys are too. Hope you make plans to join us on pay-per-view hashtag pick a fight this weekend for GCW. Finally, we're going to get to hear what Jeff Jarrett was thinking when he attacked the beloved Effie. I don't get it. Uh, and I want to know what's going on with what? Just shut up. I mean, dude, you're not a fan of bussy. Do you know what that stands for? Conrad? I do. Do you? It's boosy. Yeah. But I'm from the South. Oh, Colorado. I'm fixed oh, to say, Colorado. what's old T- how's Teeter say it? 
<laughs> Old Peter from Colorado calls it bussy. <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? I don't what know. Are we doing? I told you it's late in the evening and, and I don't have lights on in the office. I'm going. <laughs> hey, listen, you know what? Up. The sun is down. That's, that's how late we're doing this, but we're doing it because I got some travel and I appreciate you clearing your schedule for uh, us to make this happen. And I knew there was no damn way in hell. You were letting me slide John Alba or Paul Bromwell or somebody like that in here. Uh, listen, you, Jack off Alba is a nice guy, but he's just not up for, for my world standards and Paulie B marble mouth Polly. no i'm kidding i'm I'm literally kidding uh i enjoyed this today though i did you know what would be fun though you and elephant door silva doing a show together one day you think we could like order let me tell you this we were playing you... with the cheeseburger what we need is to get him one of those whole jalapenos and watch him eat it that's what we need oh i love it that is a classic <laughs> Classic story. Let me give you a classic one from today. We're working in the office, uh, planning, you know, ad free shows for 2022 and getting some calendars out and some special events planned and things like that. And I'm throwing out, you know, so-and-so beat such and such at SummerSlam. Maybe we could do a special event around that or something like that. And he, and, and Evan stupid ass Evan says, oh, come on now. uh, is that in March? Oh no. And I looked at him and I said, do you think SummerSlam's in March? And then a little later, we started talking about title chase and what belt to cover when and all that. And we're kicking around big gold. Like, when should we do that? And I said, well, you know, uh, this is the 25 year anniversary of sting beating Hogan at Starcade. And he said, was that in April? Oh no. You thought Starcade? And so I looked at Silva and I said, this is what happens when you lie on your resume. Right. I mean, <laughs> right now would be an excellent time to make a plug for zip recruiter. Maybe next week. Boys and girls, we've had a lot of fun talking about, uh, MMA exhibitionists go out of your way, uh, to find that video of Jeff tapping out children. I know you've seen him hit old ladies with guitars and put them in figure four, but dude, tapping out kids, put it in my veins, daddy. I love it. Check it out. Uh, it's going to be on our Twitter and everywhere else, but you can throw it in your, in your Google machine. YouTube has it under the impact channel. Just tremendous stuff. Just, just look up Jeff Jarrett, complete video dojo, and you'll see it. Uh, and until next week, man, big plans to join us in uh, St. Louis. We're going to have a heck of a time. And the rumor and innuendo is we've got uh, a very special surprise or two at our Ooh. special show. It's yeah. uh, Jeff and Eric live.com or Eric and Jeff live.com VIP is the place to be. It's the best value around. And so is adfreeshows.com. Uh, you are going to, uh, flip when you see all that we're bringing, uh, we just debuted last week, the video for Jake, the snake and DDP and their new podcast, DDP snake pit. And there's more where that came from. I got a few tricks up my sleeve. I spent all day scheduling some, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty cool stuff today. So stay tuned to ad free shows. You get all of our shows early and ad free, never a commercial. You're going to get tons of social interaction too. Yes. You get access to our discord. Yes, you get all kinds of bonus content. You can't get anywhere else, including JR's old radio show, my conversation series with uh, Jeff's dad and so much more, but the interactive zoom event, that's unlike a meet and greet, Jeff, you really get to have a conversation with some of our super supporters over at adfreeshows.com. I've done several and it is a value. You know, I've come down from my steps off the bonus room and office and, and Karen ha has been there and she's like, I had to go. And I'm like, 
you know, as a fan, I don't really think because you don't, they don't have to leave their house. Obviously I don't have to leave my house. And then they get to ask questions and conversations and they get to hear 20 or 30 or 40 other questions asked. I mean, I've said it every time you've asked me about it. It is the absolute best value in sports entertainment today. It is. Go hit it up. You're going to be glad you did. It's adfreeshows.com. I'm a, Hey, it's Conrad and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on my world. Slappy new year. I can say that one more time. That's the last time. Damn it. Hey everybody. This is Dan Bespris host of fantasy NBA today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.